Welcome back. This is Jim Cimbala, Senior Pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. We are going to continue my new series, The Calling, a podcast for Christian leaders. When I was about 11 years old, maybe 12, I was living in a railroad apartment in Brooklyn, sharing a tiny bedroom with my older brother and younger sister. I heard my mother crying in the middle of the night. I got up from the bed, they didn't get up. I peeked into the next room, it was such a tiny apartment. And I saw my mother crying and talking to her mother-in-law. And she said, what am I gonna do? Nick is drinking. I was my father. And then from that moment on, my family life was hellish, violent, terrible. I couldn't have friends over. My dad drank so much, he started with weekend benders, then went, lost his job, then just totally gone. When I married my wife, Carol, he never made it to the wedding. So the stress and the strain of a bad family life, a bad home, I knew that. I threw myself into sports, especially basketball, because I don't want to be home. Who wants to be home? But I had to protect my mother, too. I want to talk about, hopefully in a much milder way, the family life of a leader. I don't see myself, although I'm a pastor of a church, I don't see myself as such a great father. Looking back, I've lacked wisdom. I don't see myself as the greatest husband for sure. I've learned a lot from just living, being a dad, being a husband. Plus, I have counseled so many people and talked to so many ministers who have opened up to me about home life, the family. So I want to venture out and talk to you, not as some example, but as someone who has learned a lot of things. God intended the family, all families, but especially now the family of a leader, to be a place of joy and peace and encouragement. All the battles you fight in the ministries, preaching, traveling, uh, criticism, financial pressure, you want to come home and find peace, you want to find joy and atmosphere of encouragement. There are enough discouragements out there, wouldn't you say? That's what God wants. Satan takes the same unit, the family, and makes it his target to bring discouragement, chaos, fighting, insecurity, anger. And sometimes, someone I just talked to a couple of years ago, a place where the enemy says that the spouse doesn't understand you, doesn't care about you, so you possibly go looking elsewhere for someone who really understands you. All that I'm saying is gospel truth, am I correct? So let's think about that and look at that for a moment. It's the target of Satan, families and marriages, children. And I'm gonna share with you later a thing I went through years ago with my oldest girl, but the target is not just the marriage and the children ending up in Nowheresville. He's much shrewder than that. His target is the church, the church that you're over, that I'm over as a leader the church we're working in. Because if he can get us to go nuts and crazy, if he can blow up our marriages and have a catastrophe in our home, maybe it'll be that we'll be tempted to do something crazy or just quit. Ministers are quitting 1,700 a month right now as I speak, leaving the Christian ministry. Don't you think some of those 1,700 a month are, I can't take all the pressures of the church and then come home to that. I once talked to a minister who told me it was so bad with he and his wife and the family that he said, look, every time I could get an invitation or go on a trip, I was out of there. Who wanted to be there? Rather selfish, but I was understanding his heart like, who wants to be tortured? 
Now we see that the importance of what I'm talking about here. Family life is critical because it's the real test of who we are as Christians. You can preach great sermons, but your kids are a lot hipper than that. They like watch daddy at home or mommy at home. I know you how you act on the platform, but please. How many kids are wayward today because they gave up on church and they gave up on God because they gave up on their mom and dad. Their mom and dad weren't real. Now look, perfection, please don't look toward me or I guess any place. There are encouragements and model homes, but no one's been a perfect dad, a perfect mom. But if we live it out in front of them, that has a stronger influence than teaching a series on the book of Second Chronicles because they know they're watching. They're picking up every innuendo at the dinner table. They're watching. And that's going to affect the way they look at God and the gospel and the work of the Lord. I am so thankful today that all my children and my children's children, on and on, are all serving the Lord. What a blessing. What a blessing that is. What a blessing that is. That by the grace of God, they all love Jesus. And one of them spoke somewhere and said at some birthday party they had for me a long time ago, you know, I knew my dad and my mom weren't perfect, but I know they were trying, they were sincere. You know, that says a lot. Because the minute they pick up acting, like you're one person there and another person at home, church is out, it's over. They're gonna get really cynical. I've counseled Christian couples with their children and the children will burst out and say things that make both the parents hang their head. You know, they come to church and lift their hands. They're cursing at each other at the table. Foul language, foul behavior. And then they come and I'm, I'm supposed to sort that out? What's real? So we gotta be careful. We gotta really ask God to help us be the best dads and the best husbands, spouses that we could be. Of course, this thing involves teaching that would go on for hours. I just have these few minutes with you, but at least I can point you to some things I've learned. Let's talk about wayward children because that's heartbreak city, a wayward child. You know, I go out and speak at these pastor's conferences or other places, and many times God directs me to speak on something that will bring the story of my daughter into it, my oldest girl. And when I make an appeal for leaders or whoever's there, if you have a wayward son, wayward daughter, come up here and let's draw a line in the sand, and, and God's going to bring them back. Doesn't God recover stolen property? I mean, can't we pray about that? And by the way, leaders... Be mindful of that, that people who aren't even prayerful, if you speak about that felt need in their life, they'll start to open up to God. You never know what could happen. But to see those parents come forward and the tears and sometimes the groans, oh my goodness. You know, when you're praying for your children, it's not some mental prayer. Uh, basically, Father, it's good to talk to you today. No, no. You pray without ceasing. When my girl Chrissy was away, I prayed in the shower, I prayed driving in a car because as a teenager, she got away from us and away from God. And my wife and I, just to encourage you, went through a two and a half year long nightmare. We're talking a tunnel with no light at the end, seemingly. She went from hard to harder and I tried everything. Manipulation, yelling, screaming, crying, money, whatever. Guess what it all did? She got harder. Hooked up with a guy that she met in the church. Downtown Brooklyn, the doors are open. Anybody can come in. 
My bad, though, in the sense of so busy I took my eye off of her. I blame myself a lot for it because I should have been much more discerning. So here we were in a battle. You ever do a series on prayer? Yeah, you can study, do a series on prayer, and then let your kid drift away, and you'll learn about prayer. I was in postgraduate work in prayer. Couldn't stop praying, couldn't stop crying at times. Had to pull myself together when I got to the church because she's away. We don't know where she is sometimes. And yet God's hand was on her, and we dedicated her to the Lord. What to do? Quit? Give up? I want to mention to you that you really need to pray for spiritual wisdom and discernment, what to do when your child is wayward. Screaming and venting and going off isn't going to solve a lot usually. What's the problem? God, what would you have me say? I got to the place where I knew she couldn't live in the house, and I stopped talking to her for about five months until a marvelous night when we prayed for her in a prayer meeting. And God, just about the next morning, brought her to our doorstep. I hadn't seen her. She had the baby that she had given birth to while she was away from the Lord. My wife held the baby, and I talked with her, but she was on the ground crying, praying. The Lord had visited her and gave her a warning and a hug at the same time. Isn't the Lord amazing? He can give a warning and a hug at the same time. That's what happened to her. And boom, the light went on. That's how it can happen for your son, your daughter. They can be walking down the street, and boom, God can just come and revealed to them their lostness, the wrong road they're on. She now grew up to lead a music program at a Bible school, married a godly man who became a pastor, and now she's a pastor's wife and directs choirs like her mom has some of the similar gifting. Mm -mm -mm. With God, nothing is impossible. Be encouraged today. God recovers stolen property. The family is a target area, but come on, let's encourage each other, encourage our spouses, because they have ministries and purpose beyond ours. You know, we can't make them the, you know, just this second trombone in, in the back row. They have their value before God and what God wants them to do. I'm married to someone much more gifted than I am, and she has her own ministry. Thank God for that. But let's pray for each other, pray together, Let's live for God, and let's see our children and our families not be the place where the enemy won the battle, but the very place where we can say to everyone, look how great our God is. Let it be so. Amen.